Hey, folks, thanks for tuning into this special segment of Next on the T featuring Pebble Beach caddy Steve Burke. We talked to Steve about a lot of his great stories from caddying out there for over a quarter century. We'll also hear about his book, Cutter, America's Unfiltered Caddy, filled with caddy one-liners that Steve has collected over the years. It's a really fun segment. I hope you enjoy it. All right, now joining me is Steve Burke. Steve is a caddy out at Pebble Beach. He's also written a book titled Cutter, America's Unfiltered Caddy. It's full of one-liners from caddies reacting to the things that we say on the course, plus the shots that we've hit. And it's great to have him with me here today on Next on the Tee. Hey, Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Really appreciate it. So, Steve, let's go back. I always like when I have a a first-time guest on to learn about how you first started playing the game of golf and who put a golf club in your hands. (laughs) Okay, uh, pretty much uh, took up the game after college. Uh, I roomed with a uh, fraternity brother of mine who happened to be the number one golfer at my alma mater, UC Davis. And uh, rooming with him uh, drove my interest in the game. And he was extremely helpful and uh, giving me a lot of guidance and basically giving me all the lessons that his parents must have paid for over the years. <laughs> so uh, it was really, really generous of him to spend that much time with me. And uh, he actually played in uh, the Division Two Nationals against Rocco Mediate. So wow. that kind of dates us. It tells, tells you how old I am. Okay. So who was that, by the way? Uh, his name is Chuck Higgins. And I believe he works with the PGA of America out of Dallas, Texas these days. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So were you a golf fan at all growing up? Uh, yes, a fan, but from a distance. You know, I think I really saw some golf on TV in the mid-1980s. But until uh, I really caught the bug, which was, yeah, about the mid-80s, um, that's when I started watching it uh, religiously, you know, on weekends and things like that. So I, I really became a fan, uh, yeah, right, right in those mid-80s, mid to late 80s. So how did you go from getting a few lessons from Chuck to being a caddy? <laughs> um, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, originally, uh, getting living with Chuck, uh, I was I was a stockbroker for, for a 16-year stretch. And uh, I guess I'd have to say not a great one because it, it just wasn't my calling for the long run. And in between jobs, uh, I had a friend that was caddying out at Pebble Beach, and he told me about it. And I thought, okay, this will make a nice part-time job while I look for something else. And it turns out, you know, uh, for me, as a as a divorced guy with no kids, making your own schedule, being outdoors, uh, being a, around a, a sport that I really enjoyed, um, caddying became a natural. And, and here I am 25 years later, still doing it. So getting a job looping out at Pebble Beach on a lot of levels sounds like a dream job for a lot of us. Talk about what it's like looping there. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, I, I find it rewarding. I look forward to it on a daily basis. You, you know, I'm going to a job where there's not a, a pressure to, to make a certain amount of dollars or sell an X amount of product or, or, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm creating a good time for uh, people that come to Pebble Beach and travel in from, from all different parts of the country, if not the world. 
And so, so I don't have a pressure job. So, so that's kind of nice. That's different than being the stockbroker back in the day where everything's commission-based and you start the beginning of the month with zero and you hope you make it, have a good month and, you know, can feed your family. And uh, so it, there, it's no pressure. Uh, I meet great people from around the country and around the world. And um, I really look forward to showing them a good time. And I'd say a good percentage of the time, I even become friends with them uh, for life. And I, I've been fortunate enough to make enough good friends that they've invited me to play their very nice golf courses around the country. So I've been out there, you know, at the Pine Valleys and the Oakmonts and the Wingfields. Wow. And yeah, so I've I've been able to experience uh, a bit more than the average Joe just because of where I am. Steve, I read that back at the, the 2010 U.S. Open that was held there at Pebble Beach, you were one of the few guys that was asked to caddy. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. How'd you hear that story? That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, what was very, what was that like? How did you how did you become one of the few? Um, yeah, I think there were three caddies from Pebble Beach and two of the guys were the most senior caddies and pretty well known. So sometimes that that falls right in their lap. But for me, it was um, almost a fluke. I uh, received a call just after the qualifiers and uh, that were held around the country. And right after a qualifier, I get a call and I, I want to say it was a Wednesday, maybe a week before the U.S. Open. And uh, this guy says, hey, hey, Steve, you won't remember me, but you caddied for me last October. And uh, I have a player that qualified in Memphis. He shot 66-67. And I think the guy got uh, second place and they took like seven spots. So the guy easily qualified. And uh, the guy on the phone calling me says, I'm playing in the Texas State Amateur. I can't do I can't do this loop. How would you like a, a bag in the U.S. Open? And I practically thought it was a prank call. So, um, yeah, I said, absolutely. You know, of course I want to be in the U.S. Open. So that was that was my entry there. And uh, turns out it, it was kind of interesting because he was the first player in the whole tournament to tee off on the first hole in the wow. whole event. So I got to hear the uh, the speech by the USGA announcer uh, named Ron Reed. And that was his last USGA announcing. And uh, I remember it sent chills up uh, the back of my neck listening to the to the speech he gave. And it was pretty neat. And then I even uh, he wrote a book about it. and I bought his book. It was very interesting. Was it surprising to you at all, Steve, that you guys, you three were the only three chosen? I, I would think if I'm a guy coming there, particularly if I'm coming there, you know, for the first time that I would want a guy that has been. I don't know, around Pebble Beach, how many rounds, you know, a thousand rounds right. on Pebble Beach. I'd want a guy like that on my bag because you have all the local knowledge. You surprised you were the only three that were chosen to do that? Um, no, because these caddies that are out there, they're, they're really good professionals. They've been around Pebble several, if not dozens of times. And, uh, and then they know their player, their players got them. So they're locked in. Um, so it, it's pretty rare that uh, a local gets chosen, although I see what you're saying. You would think that would be the obvious choice is get the get the guys that are there all the time. But, 
you may not gel with a pro, you know, caddying for a pro and caddying for a resort golfer, two different animals completely. No doubt. Yeah. So there are different things that those pros are going to want from you than the the average uh, 18 handicap golfer that we're going to see out on the golf course there at Pebble. So based on all the great things that you have had an opportunity to be a part of out there, Pebble, what are some of your favorite memories? Oh, um, yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, I've, you know, there's always the bucket list people that are there the one time. Um, there are many return people that, that come out because they just love going to Pebble. And, and this area is so gorgeous. Um, but I've seen I've seen a guy who. Uh, donated a kidney to uh, his buddy and they went out to celebrate that because it was like a year later. I've had uh, real touching moments with um, a a cancer patient who knows he's not going to play any more golf. And it was his last round of golf. And, you know, so I've been through that and um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that, that pulls at your heart. And, uh, you know, there's the, the handfuls of celebrities that you run into now and then that uh, are interesting, you know, and that's going to come around. Everybody's going to run into their share of uh, celebrities and so on out there, that w- which also can be pretty fun. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I, I have to imagine you've run into a lot of celebrities and and probably some great players out there while you've been looping. Who are who are some of the ones that uh, you got to know a little bit? Um, gosh, well, see, I get to know them. And, you know, when I, when I run into, um, VJ Singh and, uh, Peter Jacobson and Jeff Sluman, I'm, I'm remembering them. I don't think they remember me, you know, but they, you know, they're, they're a couple of guys that, uh, I've taken around the golf course, which is, which is fun. Um, and then celebrities, you know, you run into the athletes and the actors and, you know, are you a Seinfeld fan? Because I've, I've had a few huge. The, yeah, I've had a few of the Seinfeld characters over the years. Um, wow. Who have you had? Uh, yeah. M- Mr. Peterman was fun. Uh, <laughs> I he, bet he was a, the character. I got to caddy for he and his wife and his wife was quite the player. She uh, I believe she told me played golf at Baylor. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And when I saw her hit a fairway bunker shot five wood on number six at Pebble into a greenside bunker. She got up and down for birdie. Wow. I said, I said you've played some golf, huh? And <laughs> then she told me she played in college. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of fun to watch. No doubt. So I got to ask you about, about weather, right? We've all seen the winds kick up pretty high there at Pebble Beach. What's the worst weather or highest winds you've had to go out and loop in? Uh, it's funny you say that it just happened in the last two weeks. Um, had a group of guys that teed off somewhere around eight thirty AM a couple Tuesdays ago. I don't know what it is this year, but it's always been the Tuesdays have been bad. And, uh, these guys that nobody teed off for an hour and a half in front of them because you could elect not to go out when the weather's that bad. Well, the weather was that bad. These guys still teed off. Nobody, nobody teed off for another hour behind them. So we had the whole course to ourselves, and it's gusting to sixty-five, oh maybe my. seventy, maybe seventy miles an hour at the worst. And we're out there by ourselves, and it literally took about six hours to play this round of golf. 
because one of the players would stand over his ball every shot and wait for two to three minutes at a time, thinking that the wind might go down. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was it was just brutal. <laughs> and uh, for, it, it had it been raining, they would have quit probably. But it wasn't really raining. It was just the bad wind. And uh, so that was the single worst day I've ever seen in wind by far. So with winds like that, and I'm sure some that rival that or maybe a little bit less, obviously, but what's the range of clubs that you've had to hit or you've seen people have to hit on the par three seven? Number seven. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, um, uh, about a month previous to the to, to the Tuesday I was talking about, there was something that went viral probably on Twitter and, and maybe Instagram and the other social media. And uh, a guy had teed up from the bottom deck of seven. So it's only a, a 98 yard uh, number, but he teed up a driver in the howling winds and knocked it to about four feet. Wow. I yeah, don't know I think I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, uh, personally, I've hit I've hit five iron from the bottom deck on a bad day, and uh, so that would have been you know back when that would have been a hundred and eighty yard equivalent, and you just you just kind of punch it under the wind, and it worked out. Five irons, the the worst most I've ever hit, and uh, normally you're just hitting downhill downwind, a little sand wedge to the green, you know. Yeah, so to hit a full five irons that's a bad that's a pretty bad win what's it cost nowadays to play around at pebble beach you know i don't really follow it but my understanding it's somewhere in the 600 to 600 plus dollar range per round per person Mm. yeah yeah i'm not sure the exact number and and it does change from time to time as we look ahead a few years, the U.S. Open is going to be back there at Pebble in 2027. Might we see you on a bag then? Uh, I wouldn't uh, count it out, but uh, I'd also have to get extremely lucky like uh, last time. I could always put my name in the hat and tell the, the guy who runs the caddy uh, system there that, hey, if there's a qualifier or someone without a caddy, I'd like to, my name to be considered. So I'm not opposed to that, but the odds of it happening are are pretty small, I think. Yeah. Since the pandemic, the number of rounds of golf has gone way up. Our our game is one of the silver linings in that dark cloud. Have have you seen more people out there playing at Pebble Beach or is inflation taking a bite out of that? Um, No, inflation hasn't taken a bite out of it because you're talking about the, you know, the most, um, that you're talking the 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 one percenters, the ten percenters. You know, you got you're staying at a high end resort, so so these people are not really affected by it as much. You might have less bucket list people coming out, um, but I don't think there's been a you know the, the demand's just as high because we're filling the tea times every ten minutes, and wow. you can't do any more than that. You know, so as long as there's daylight and there's a tea time. They seem to be booked. Steve, like I mentioned in your intro, you've written a book, Cutter America's Unfiltered Caddy. It's full of one-liners. What made you decide to write the book? Oh, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, I was out, uh, you know, I've kind of been crafting one-liners for the 25 years I've been there. And uh, I'm with a friend one day, and we hadn't caddied together in quite a while. 
And I, I have a lot of new material and a lot of it's in the book. And as I'm laying out the one-liners, everyone's dying laughing at this new stuff. They've never heard this before. And and if people uh, go out and grab a copy of the book, they'll understand. Uh, I'm not telling the same joke such as run like you stole something. You know, when someone hits a big T-ball, someone will yell, run like you stole something. Well, that was funny. And, and you know, it's got its place. But now that it's 2023, how about run like a millennial from a job fair? You know, that that resonates, that that gets a lot of mileage. Now, a millennial may not like it, but, you know, uh, my jokes make fun of everybody, everything, even the caddy gets made fun of. So I'm not jumping on one group or another. Everybody's a target. And the idea is it's time to start laughing again. These are jokes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're new and improved. Yeah. You know? <laughs> What kind of reaction do you get from people when they pick up a copy? Uh, I've had such great feedback. Um, a lot of people, I, I think, go into it thinking this isn't going to be anything different or new. And then they come back and say, oh, my God, that's incredible. You know, because I, I think I put together um, the book with about 135 to 140 uh, cartoons. Each page is a different. Uh, situation. And I think I've used 42, if I counted correctly, different personalities, whether they're athletes or politicians or actors, actresses, former golfers. Um, So uh, people making the news for the wrong reason may get connected to a golf joke. And uh, if I can, if I can make it work. And uh, so it's extremely different than the golf joke books that I've bought over the years where, you know, there's the one liner and it's cute and everything. But I think this is maybe a little more cerebral than some of the other uh, joke books out there. And you were telling me you've already gathered enough material to do another book? Uh, Yeah, I definitely have enough. But uh, I want to let this uh, the sales on this book run for a couple of years before we uh, issue another one. I do have definitely enough material. And what happens to along along the way is things in the news will happen over these next two years that will get incorporated into a golf joke. Um, and so I want I want that time to pass so that when the new book comes out, the people reading that book are going to have something that they can relate to because it was fairly fresh in the news. And that's kind of what I've done with the current book, you know, like uh I've got uh a connection to golf to Will Smith and a connection to a Johnny Depp joke. And there's also how, how does Gordon Ramsay make a golf book or get in <laughs> get into a joke in a golf book? It seems like a stretch, but when you read the joke, I think it's pretty well crafted. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think it's different than what anyone's ever done before. So, so we're real proud of the book and, and it's been very well received. So I got to ask you to explain a couple more of the one liners that are in there that I, that I picked out. What's a Hitler? <laughs> a Hitler is two shots in the bunker. And that's actually an old one. And uh, so that's an homage to the old jokes. But um, um, I didn't use uh, that type of joke too often. 
But, uh, you know, I had to put it in there because a lot of people haven't heard it. What about a Willie Nelson? A Willie Nelson. That's that's the golf ball that that goes off the tee and it looks like it may go in the water, but it stayed. A Willie Nelson is still on grass. (laughs) (laughs) And one of my favorites, and and I'm going to use this when I go on my golf trip. What are Patrick Reed rules? Oh, my gosh. Whatever he wants. So whatever the golfer wants. Yeah. So I threw him in there and I think I threw a Scott Hope joke in there. You did. Yeah. I played off of uh, two uh, professional golfers and yep, they're in there too. Steve, what other events do you have coming up? Gosh, for me personally, uh, I'm a a seven day a week uh, looper. I'm out there. But uh, what I do is I... uh, I pursue photography, so I'll go seven days a week for a month or two, and then I'll take a stretch of days off. My next trip is Chicago in early May, and I'm going to bring the camera for that and stay with some family and catch up with them, but I'm also going to get to play a little golf. I've got uh, arrangements to play at Butler National and Chicago Golf Club. Wow, good for you. Yeah, so yeah, that's just lucky because I caddied for the right guy who's a member at both places. We hit it off and we're good buddies and we keep in touch. And I'm going to go see him in, in the spring when, uh, when the season starts up for them. And you mentioned previously, you, you talked about some of the great places you've had an opportunity to play like Oakmont and Pine Valley. What are some of the other great courses that you've had an opportunity to put a peg in the ground? Uh, let's see. Uh, Winged Foot, Beth Page, Baltusrol. Medina, um, Olympic Club, um, Aaron Hills, Whistling Straits, um, L.A. Country Club hosting the U.S. Open um, in in June this year. Uh, A cousin of mine, uh, she's my age. She marries a guy. They've been married for 30 years. I just found out a couple years ago that they're members at L.A. Country Club. Wow. They didn't even say so. I've only hit them up twice for golf. (laughs) So, but what a great course. That's going to be fun to watch that open there this year. No doubt. Yeah. Steve, before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can get a copy of your book and then follow you online and on social media. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, we're self-published. So the only way to get the, unless you live in my area, there's a couple retail spots where people can go get the book. But it's uh, the book is uh, from at our website, cutterthecaddy.com and order there. And while supplies last, you get not just the coffee table size book, but you get a cutter logo golf towel also. And um, yeah, that's the that's the only way Uh, as a self-published guy. We just do the website cutterthecaddy.com. And how can they follow you on social media? Oh, social media. Yes, I am. At Cutter the Caddy on uh, Twitter, which is my favorite. They can follow me on Facebook. I'm Steve Burke, B U R K E, in Carmel, California. Um, they're welcome to uh, send a friend request to that. And then my partner runs the Instagram. And at Instagram, it is also Cutter the Caddy. 
Well, Steve, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy day to come and, and share some stories and talk about the book. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope we get the opportunity to catch up with you again soon. I would like that. I appreciate it, Chris. Steve, take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up again soon. Sounds great. Take care. Take care, Steve. That is Steve Burke. And again, the book is called Cutter, America's Unfiltered Caddy. You can find it online at CutterTheCaddy.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter at CutterTheCaddy as well. Great stuff from Steve. Looking forward to this. book number two. That should be a real hoot. Number one is is very funny, folks. Go out there and check it out. Get yourself a copy. Look forward to having Steve back on when he is ready for round number two. And if you're going to go out to Pebble Beach and play, you got to ask for Steve Burke as your looper. How fun would that round be? Steve's great. We look forward to catching up with him again soon.